from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is Thai Cats Today with Louie B. Yes, it is Thai Cats Today for a Wednesday, June the 1st, 2022. Happy June to you. Happy CFL kickoff month. Just 10 days until the Thai Cats take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to open their season. This is Thai Cats Today on the Thai Cats Audio Network. Thanks for checking us out. We really do appreciate it. You can like and subscribe so you never miss an episode of this show or any other great shows on the Thai Cats Audio Network, including a brand new season, brand new episode of the Coach O Show with Luke Tasker. It's fun to say and it's fun to listen to. The Coach O Show. Luke Tasker, now available on the Ticats Audio Network. Speaking of Coach O, we're going to hear from him coming up in just a little bit, as we normally do. The Hamilton Spectator Steve Milton will be by as well, and it is a Guelph Griffin-themed show. Guelph Griffin-themed show, as we'll be talking to Jared Beeksma, recent draft pick, Keandre Smith, recent draft pick, and uh, seasoned vet Curtis Newton, and we'll talk to running backs coach Jared Baines, all former Guelph Griffins, and why are we talking about that? Well, because the Ticats Audio Network hitting the road for the first time as we travel up Highway 6 to bring you the Ticats and Argos on Friday night. Andy Fantuz and I will get you set starting with the pregame show at 6.30. Kick off with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker just after 7.30. So that's all happening this weekend, Friday to be exact, and of course, Friday, game day programming. You'll get a brand new episode of Tiger Cats Game Day. Courtney Steven and Mike Daly. And uh, coming tomorrow, I believe, at you, is an all-new episode of Tiger Cats This Week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. So training camp beginning to come to an end. Today was our last day, last practice, I should say, at McMaster. There'll be a walkthrough here tomorrow. But after that, they'll pack up and head back to Tim Hortons Field. So a bit of a bittersweet day here at McMaster. It was great to be back. I will... Not miss the parking fees here at McMaster, not going to lie. Uh, but I will very much uh, appreciate the time that we get to spend here, especially considering it, we didn't get to do it the last couple of years. So uh, thank you to McMaster for being great hosts. That includes uh, Dalton, uh, who runs the uh, recreation, who helps out with the recreation stuff here. So it's been great to be at Mac and see some familiar faces, and more importantly, to see fans, which has been great to see just one news and note to tell you about but it's a pretty big one as the Ticats announced they signed 2021 third round pick Mohamed Diallo 24 year old was originally selected by the Ticats in the third round 19th overall back in the 2021 draft he's native of Toronto he played at the University of Arizona he began his college collegiate career at the Arizona Western University that's a Juco college in 2017 uh, also played at Texas Tech and Central Michigan. So he's been all over the place and he is in the black and gold. And coach was asked about Mohamed Diallo being at camp at practice in uniform today. Here's what he had to say. Well, yeah, it was a, it was a nice surprise that, uh, you know, he contacted Drew and uh, said that he was he was ready to come up. He kind of exhausted uh, the NFL opportunities. And so you never know how these are going to plan out. Like he's a little behind playbook-wise, but it was nice to get him out there and get him medical this morning. And uh, he'll be a nice welcome addition to our ball club. Nice. Yeah, he, you know, that was part of the deal when we when we selected there at the D tackle, and I think we should have a nice rotation this year. Um, but yeah, it, it, we, it's always about ratio flexibility and not being locked in. And sometimes, some years you're afforded that, and some years you aren't. Like if you know he didn't show up, we wouldn't be in this situation. But time will tell. He's gonna have to play his way in shape, and he, he's got he's got quite a bit of catching up to do. 
Yeah, he's, he's a part of this. You know, he's there's alumni is always welcome. And so just because they're not with us uh, here physically doesn't mean they're not welcome here. So it's a nice tribute. Uh, Drew does a nice job of cycling things around. So, uh, yeah, he's a big part of the Hamilton Tiger Cat uh, community and uh, obviously history. We do talk about the pride and tradition and, and what we stand for and, and just, uh, you know, standing on the shoulders of those that uh, have come before us. Um, it's, it's definitely addressed. Uh, we don't do it daily. But I think people know that, uh, that when you step into a Tiger Cat uniform, there's a set of expectations uh, currently for that year and, and also by everybody else that's uh, really coming to watch. That is the head coach and president of football operations, Orlando Steinauer. And you, if you follow me on Twitter, at Louis B underscore TV, you might have seen that I tweeted out on the video board here at uh, Ron Joy Stadium. Big letters, game day, and then a great picture of Angelo Mosca and coach talking about that there. Just uh, the impact that alumni have on this team and how it's we've heard it once, we've heard it a, a thousand times, but it always rings true is that uh, we stand on the shoulders of those that came before us, and that is a uh, Tie Cats motto through and through. The Tie Cats and the Tie Cats Audio Network heading to Guelph on Friday, so I figured we'd check in with a couple Guelph Griffin alumni. There happens to be three of them on the roster. And a coach. We'll hear from all four of them, but let's start with a couple of rookies. Here's Jared Beeksma on getting to play at Guelph on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be fun, obviously, getting one back with the boys and got a few like, teammates here, coaches on the staff that are all back from Guelph. So um, I'm sure we'll have a good turnout there as well. A bit, bit of a smaller scale, so I'm sure like the crowd will seem pretty packed compared to Jordan Stadium. But um, no, it'll be, it'll be a good time, honestly. Kind of spreading your wings, going on to. You know, with the Tiger Cats, but then back at Guelph right away, so yeah, it should be a good time. Uh, it was definitely a grind, like there's a bunch of vets on this team that want to help everyone out, so anytime I had questions, the team helped me out a bunch. Coaches were always willing to help out, so it was a supportive environment. Um, you just kind of roll with the punches, you have good days, there's bad days, so you all look at it in kind of a macro scale and just understand that it kind of comes and goes with the days, and then you just try to each, put each, each day with a positive aspect, like outlook and hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned experience. Like they, any time I approach them with questions about things that were installed, and they immediately have an answer. Um, and they, they just they make it very easy to understand. They don't try to make it very complicated for you. Uh, so being a young guy, um, we appreciate that guys that are in the program and they know what they're talking about and they want to help out. So it makes it easy for young guys coming to the program. That is Jared Beeksma, linebacker for the Hamilton Tiger Gets fourth round pick in the 2022 draft, an alumni of Guelph University, or University of Guelph, excuse me, as we caught up with him after practice. Today, as we focus on some of the Guelph Griffin alumni, still ahead, Steve Milton from the Hamilton Spectator. We'll hear from Coach Baines as well in just a second, but let's hear from another Guelph Griffin alumni rookie on this team. It's Receiver Keandre Smith. Here's what he had to say about getting to play at Guelph Griffin Stadium on Friday. I haven't been in that visitor's locker room since uh, training camp my first year when all the vets got the nice locker rooms and we were stuck in there. But I don't care. I don't think I, it doesn't really matter to me what door we come out of. It'll still feel like home for me because I played there at home for the past few times and I have friends and family coming out. I think a big part of it goes into the coaching. Um, the coaching over at Guelph is top class, as you know. Every year we have a defense that does everything they need to do. We have a great job recruiting young talent, guys from even the closer area, the Hamilton area, like STM guys, and then incorporating guys from Sejep all the way around. So the recruiting and the coaching over there is about as good as it comes. So they just gotta, that school just have to put, put together the pieces if they want to win. 
learning a whole lot. Like it's a very fast pace. Everyone's here to compete and everyone's focused. So it was nice to know that it was nice to be in an environment where everyone was competitive and all go, all gas, no brakes. And the learning curve was fairly steep, but I enjoyed catching on to it. Um, I'd say I did very well. I'm, I'm happy with everything. Of course, there's a couple things I wish I would, would have done differently, but you learn with time, you learn through your mistakes. And the, I think the important thing is not to make the same mistake twice. And that is first year rookie receiver Keandre Smith as we caught up with him talking about how camp has gone for him and some memories at Guelph, Ticats, Argos at Guelph Griffin Stadium Friday. Hope you'll join us. And if not, hope you join us on the broadcast on the Ticats Audio Network. From a couple of rookies to a seasoned veteran, Curtis Newton, also a Guelph alumni, and we got to catch up with him today after practice as well. Here's what he had to say. Oh, it'll it'll definitely be something special and something I'm looking forward to. Um, my last game there, I honestly thought that was probably going to be my last time playing on that field. So getting one more opportunity to, to play at my alma mater will definitely be something, something special for sure. <laughs> it might be a little bit weird, but um, at the end of the day, I spent four years there. It'll, it'll feel just like home, so. Um, I honestly feel really good. Um, the coaches have been had a nice balance um, of getting lots of work in, but at the same time saving our bodies. So um, I can't really ask for anything better, making it through the end of training camp, healthy, feeling good, and ready to take on the Argos. Definitely, I, I try and embrace that as much as I can because guys like Courtney Steven and, and Mike Daly and those those are the guys I looked up to when I was a, a younger player in the league. And so they set the example and I'm just trying to continue that example and maybe pass it on down to the rookies and hopefully they can fill my shoes one day when I'm when I'm old and retired. So, um, But yeah, I, I just try and do the best I can and lead by example and hopefully the young guys can pick up on a couple of those traits. Um, they've, they've honestly been awesome. Everything um, Coach Bust has asked from us and the young guys, they've given 110%. So um, I couldn't be more excited to take the field with them and um, watch them do what they do. And I hope everyone else um, is excited to see them too because it's a good, good, talented young group we have. So. And that is Curtis Newton, a former Guelph Griffin, Ticat now and Ticat for a while as we caught up with him after practice, and he's talking there about being a, a leader on special teams, being that experienced vet, a guy that uh, young players can come out to, and name-dropping a couple of those players that came before him, including Mike Daly and Courtney Steven, the host of Tiger Cats Game Day, which you can catch every Tiger Cats Game Day uh, leading up to the broadcast. Speaking of which, Andy Fan Tuesday on the air at 6.30. RJ Broadhead, Luke Tasker with the call at 7. 30. One more piece of audio to get to. Let's hear from Coach Jared Baines, also a Guelph Griffin alumni. Here's what he had to say about going to Guelph to coach this time around. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's been, I haven't, I guess pre-COVID was the last time I went to see a game, but Guelph is a big football town, so I, I know it's going to be well uh uh, well packed in the stadium and I think um, you know we'll get a contingent of Guelph people. I know the Ticats fans will travel from Hamilton but it's always exciting. The, the facilities there are world-class thanks to my man old Stu Lang. Um, so it's world-class facilities. I really love the stadium. It has kind of a nostalgic old-school feel to me. The hill, I don't know if they're putting, I hope they're putting people on the hill because that's what I'm used to. Like the old homecoming days, we'd pack the hill, fill the hill we'd call it. So I'm excited. It's, it's always good for me to go back there and, and I'm excited to not only play a game there but hopefully this season I'll get to be able to go back for a a Guelph Griffins game. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the Canadian talent's through the roof right now in terms of what's coming out consistently, uh, not only in U Sports, but through the NCAA and through some of the high school programs as well. Um, you know, Guelph has completely transformed since my first year at Guelph to what they were when I left. You know, again, credit to Stu and, and what his vision was for the team, but it's produced nothing but athletes since uh, since my time there. We were a little, a little more raw when I was there, weren't producing as much talent, but... Um, you know, credit to Stu, credit to the coaching staff there because they've been able to produce year after year at least two to three draft picks every year, which was unheard of back in the early uh, 2010s and late 2009s. It was once every couple of years we were getting one out. Yeah, it's it's been easy with the uh, veteran group. Uh, all the receivers minus Dejan had been here uh, last year. So a lot of the language, a lot of the verbiage for concepts, protection, all that stuff's the same. And even Dejan, even as soon as he came in, was a really quick learner for us. So it really made my life easy. Spent a couple extra hours with him, but he caught on very quickly. And, and I think he's going to do a great job, And the rest, as the rest of the guys will this upcoming. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, as a motto, our offense likes to create a little chaos for the defense. Uh, in terms of collaboration, there's definitely a lot of uh, feeling out between everyone and, and, you know, opinions are kind of thrown on the wall. And then, uh, you know, I might have an idea, then Mike will add to it and Tommy will add to it. So it's a lot of ideas kind of being thrown out there and we'll all kind of try to work to improve and make it as best of a fit for the offense and try to create chaos for the defense and try to make them as confused as we possibly can. And that is running backs coach of your Hamilton Tiger Cats and former Guelph Griffin, Jared Baines. And uh, for more on memories of Guelph, including that legendary 2013 season in which the Tiger Cats called Guelph Griffin Stadium a home, let's bring in a man who was on the beat, or the columnist at least, Steve Milton from the Hamilton Spectator is here at camp with me. And uh, Milton, before we talk Guelph, let's talk about camp last day of practice here at training camp they'll have a walkthrough tomorrow but uh, your overall assessment on what we've been watching the last couple of weeks here well um uh, it went quickly uh and i think the, the the short strike in the middle of it made it seem shorter than it was because because uh, uh, you know the, on the resumption they sort of had to start again that kind of stuff so uh they're they clearly have a team that they could start uh, at the start of training camp, I think you could have come up with 24 starters in the game, except the kicking, which would be the 25th. They, and that's still very much up in the air. And uh, I think that's a battle that's very much up in the air. I don't see that the second quarterback's as much up in the air as other people think. I think that's, you know, Schultz's job at the moment. Uh, and I would say to lose. Uh, but there's lots of, lots of uh, activity uh, and tough stuff going on at the uh, secondary positions. Not secondary positions, but the next line mm -hmm. uh, after the starting guys for sure. Yeah. Uh, linebackers, I mean, offensive line, there were questions coming in. Some of them were answered with Manziel being healthy, with Coulter right. being hurt. Seems la seems more, not certain, nothing certain, but uh, it seems like there's a plan on the offensive line. There is line a plan right on the offensive line. I think if, if we had to, to name that plan right now, and you're absolutely correct to name um, uh, Coulter uh, would Manzi on that situation because he's not playing. So that has basically said what what's going to happen because they want to go with the four Canadians. It's very clear. So with Van Zyl being back and uh, Saxel getting a lot of play there already in camp and in the game mm -hmm. last week, uh, that that's very very helpful. So you're gonna you're gonna see Fontana at center. You're gonna see the two guards. Those are those are pretty well set. Jesse Gibbons had an outstanding yeah. camp. Every lineman you talk to talks about the Hamilton native on that one. He's one of those guys. The arc of his career is one of those gradual ones that comes up a little more gradual, but it's much more 
um, reminiscent of what happens in this league to, to most Canadian linemen? Atypical for Ticats. What do you think of Rev and Filer and guys who literally slid yeah, in there slid in and right. made an impact? Atypical for the Ticats, typical for the CFL. That's exactly it. And then, of course, Revenberg on the left side and, and – uh, and uh, uh, Cornwall, uh, on, um, who's worked very, very, very hard. Specific- Going back to last year. Even, specifically under the tutelage of, yeah. of Chris Van Zyl. I can remember you and I sitting after a random practice, one of the first ones he brought in, and there was an injured Van Zyl and Travis Warren called blonde hair and all. You, it was very noticeable out there on the field. Working on that sort of sideways stutter step, which does not happen yeah. in the, if you're playing tackle in the, because, because of the angles and the size of the field on that kind of thing. So he's still getting used to that. He still practices it every day. I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, th- those are things. That line looks like it's sort of ready to go. And, uh, and we'll just see how well they protect because the big thing is about protecting Dane Evans now because you hate to say this because it makes it, everybody sound like they're just commodities, but there's a way bigger drop-off from 1A. There is no 1B. It's to no. 2 now. I mean, it was 1A, 1B last year. So what are you watching on uh, Friday? Uh, I'll be looking, believe it or not, at tackle, American tackle, to see how Riley does there and whether they can get that in. Um, you'll be looking at a, at a couple of other things, how they employ Canadians there. Jake Burke has looked interesting this week because they had him outside a little bit. Now, that's just to see what's what there um, and whether how much they use the Canadian formation. They're not going by nationalities in this game, but it's in their mind because the next week they have to, and so do cuts. Uh, kicking is the absolute. Yeah. Uh, can they... I just, they really need somebody to emerge so they don't necessarily have to use an American. I mean, they, I think they think the Seth Small is the best kicker, and he's American. Yeah. And that's an issue uh, because now you only have two more DIs to go around, and that would affect certainly secondary, if you count Sam Linebacker in the secondary, then extra player there, uh, and potentially uh, a defensive line if you wanted to have an extra American in there. Uh, uh, and it, that it affects your. PR completely because you have to be able to adjust within. I mean, you got to get through a game. You always plan to get through a game, but you also have to be able to, the very two days later in practice, bring in somebody, and yeah. it's got to be off the PR. Yeah. Guelph, we're going back to Guelph. Yeah. We're going up Highway 6. You uh, have memorable stories. When you walk into Griffin Stadium, what's the first thing that's going to come to your mind? Rain. Right. <laughs> we're, we're knock on wood. It's supposed to be a beautiful day. Yeah. But we, you Everybody know. talks about that. You know, it'll be sunny down here, or at yeah. least just cloudy. And 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 Orlando was talking about it the other day. And and how did how did uh, somebody refer? Sim, Simone referred to it as monsoons. That's the first word out of his mouth. And they, and they really were. There were games there. And this is when Drew Edwards, the the great the great, the great beat writer, the yeah. Great. And we doubled up then, and I'd be the columnist. And we had a deal. They, they had. The rain was so heavy on so many days, not once, not twice, many, many days, and big games too. Like the last two big games against Montreal were both horrible, rainy, and they'd have this plastic over the press box uh, windows. Well, it gets so wet and so rainy, we couldn't see. So we took turns. It was like a relay. He, you'd go outside, get yeah. wet in the pouring rain, and, and watch it, be the eyes, yeah. while the other person wrote, then we would switch around. And there was a time because it was a makeshift press box they had cords running outside of the the windows and so when they put the plastic down the cords were on top of that plastic outside the windows and the and the water would come off the plastic and would pool and we looked outside a couple times we realized we got these electrical cords sitting in the middle of this two inches of water so one time drew noticed that and got a little worried and he pushed the plastic as hard as he could and all the water went over the first two rows oh. that are up again, 
Like this, so people are getting rained on from the front, uh, the top, and now the back. You made no friends. Oh, oh he made no like friends that. on that one. That was oh. was very funny. But the other thing I remember, Louis, was the intimacy of it all, because there were thirteen thousand. It was anywhere between thirteen. I think the lowest was oh thirty four, and the highest was thirteen six or something like. That. So it was always in that range. These are hardcore fans. People that came up. Lots of people had to find ways normally people who take the city buses to games and found ways to get up there whether they had friends carpooling uh it, it was kind of a neat little uh, i remember the fantus family having barbecues out uh in the, in the uh the, i mean a whole yeah. bunch of them and, and they, they bring an rv in the cutting club which yeah. is right across the yeah. road in the parking lot and so there was a lot of tailgating going on there was a real thing there um uh and then of course they had these uh school kind of portables is the dressing room. My boss remembers them as very Spartan. And I think I was comparing the Hamilton one to the other ones, which were less, uh, less, uh, you know, accommodating and those kinds. You used to, and you had to walk up uh, because the dressing rooms were located up a small hill from a grassy hill. um, You could hardly walk up there because it was raining all the time. It was all muddy. So they had a little (laughs) tiny uh, I would say about two people wide, maybe so six, eight feet wide pathway up with uh, just a couple of ropes. And, of course, the fans are there and the visiting team had come out. Now, it was bad enough at, at Old Ivor Wynn when you had to walk underneath. This one, you had to walk within four inches of the fans. It was hellacious for those people. You know, and nobody touched anybody. There was yeah. no violence or anything like that. I mean, they had people watching and there were police everywhere. But it was really, you talk about running a gauntlet, that was something else. So, uh, back to my original question, yeah. are you going to smile, are you going to PTSD? What, what are you thinking, first step into Guelph Griffin Stadium? My first thing is, is just like I wrote the other day, I'm going to smile. And uh, I talked to somebody who's in the film business the other day saying, you know, why is there no documentary on that season? <laughs> like it's some, one, perhaps the most unusual season in major Canadian pro sport history. So the and, very end, Melty, yeah. to the very end, and, you know, I mean... The, the to UK, the very end, exactly. To the very end, to the very overtime. last play. Yeah. Dan Lefevre yeah. in overtime winning that game, and Montreal sitting there thinking, we didn't lose that game. Yeah. We did not lose that game, and they did. You know, they, they, they had a chance to win it. Hamilton had yeah. a chance to win it. Couldn't hold Montreal at the end. But but before that, had had done the long march, and it, it back was to really... Back-to-back, missed air blocked punts and, and everything. And, and let's not forget, that's where Speedy... Three play, uh, Turkey two players yeah. really, really emerged that became futures on this team, and that was uh, Speedy and Simone. Simone's the only one uh, player left from that. Speedy will be in the game yeah. for the team. Uh, his first two games uh, were against Toronto, yeah. and uh, it was in his second game against uh, Toronto. Played one week in Toronto, and then the next week he went to Guelph. And uh, ran a, ran a uh, kickoff back uh, one hundred uh, and something yards. Yeah. The, as as Hamilton came, had a had a pretty good comeback. Uh, I think he had two two touchdowns in that game. So we're going okay. This is the new Chris Williams, which is what he turned out to be. I mean, isn't that it's a perfect not a perfect bookend, but to play Speedy B wearing blue and it'll look weird, double blue, but uh, yeah. at Guelph. He reminded me of something today when I talked to him. Uh, he wasn't wearing sixteen that year. He's wearing 87. Yeah. 87, he, he reminds me. So that's what he thought it was. So if you're listening and you have an 87 Brandon Banks jersey, that's something That's a collector's yeah, item. A and I think, he's, uh, I think he's looking forward to this. He, you know, speedy, speedy. Professional football players are professional football players. And they always have something to prove. All professional athletes want to prove something in the town where they grew up 
in the town where they play college and against the teams that they feel let them go. Well, it should be a fun game. Milty, thanks for doing this. Okay, Louie. My thanks to Steve Milton for joining me today, and my thanks to you because we could not do this show without your support. Really do appreciate it. We're back tomorrow from Walkthrough, and then Friday live from Guelph Griffin Stadium at beautiful University of Guelph. We'll have the call starting at 6.30, Andy Fan Tuesday, and we'll hand it off to RJ and Luke at 7.30 with the call, the exclusive broadcast of Friday night's game right here on the Ticats Audio Network. Make sure you like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hit me up on Twitter if you have any comments or feedback at B underscore TV. Otherwise, on the behalf of all of us here at the Ticats Audio Network, I'm Louis B. Hoping you have a great day.